It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. Policies and Procedures There are numerous reasons to put some serious work into your policies and procedures. They are certainly a first line of defense when the government comes knocking. The 2012 FCPA guidance made clear that whether a company has policies and procedures that outline responsibilities for compliance within the company, detail proper internal controls, auditing practices, and document policies, and set forth disciplinary procedures will also be considered by the Department of Justice and SEC. By using the word considered, it is clear this means the regulators will take a strong view against a company that does not have a well-thought-out and articulated policies and procedures, all of which are systemically reviewed and updated. Moreover, Having policies written out and signed by employees provides what some consider the most vital layer of communication and access and internal control. Together with a signed acknowledgement, these documents can serve as evidentiary support if a future issue arises. In other words, document, document, document mantra applies just as strongly to this area of anti-corruption compliance. The specific written policies and procedures required for a best practices compliance program are well known and long established. The 2012 guidance stated among the risks that a company may need to address include the nature and extent of transactions with foreign governments, the payments to foreign officials, use of third parties, gifts, travel and entertainment expenses, charitable and political donations, and facilitating and expediting payments. These policies help form the basis of expectation and conduct in your company. Procedures are the documents that implement these standards of conduct. One role of compliance policies is to protect companies, their stakeholders, including employees, third parties, and others because of an occasional lapse. A company's compliance policies provide a basic set of guidelines for employees and others to follow. Compliance policies should give their general descriptions and should be supplemented by more specific procedures. By establishing what is and what is not acceptable ethical and compliant behavior, a company helps mitigate the risks posed by employees who might not always make the right ethical choices. There are five general elements to a compliance policy. It should stake out the following. Number one, identify who the compliance policy applies to. Two, set out the objective of the compliance policy. Three, describe why the compliance policy is required. Four, outline examples of both acceptable and unacceptable behavior under the compliance policy. And five, lay out the specific consequences for failure to comply with the compliance policy. Compliance policies do not guarantee that employees will always make the right choice. However, effective implementation and enforcement of compliance policies demonstrate to the government that a company is operating professionally and ethically for the benefit of its stakeholder, its employees, and the community it serves. The 2019 guidance mandated there must be communication of your compliance programs and procedures throughout the workforce and relevant stakeholders, such as third parties, and business venture partners. Compliance training is only one type of communication. I think that the this is a key element for the compliance professional because if you have a 30,000 plus worldwide workforce, simply the logistics of training can appear daunting. 
small groups where detailed questions about policies can be raised can be a powerful teaching tool. Another technique can be the posting of FAQs in common areas and virtually. Also, having written compliance policies signed by employees pr provides what some consider the most vital layer of communication. A signed acknowledgement can serve as evidentiary support if a future issue arises. Finally, never forget the example of Morgan Stanley declination where <clears throat> reluctant employees, where the recalcitrant employee annually signs such certifications. These certifications help Morgan Stanley walk away with a full declination. The 2012 guidance ends its section on policies with the following. Regardless of the specific policies and procedures implemented, these standards must apply to personnel at all levels of the company. It is important that compliance policies and procedures apply fairly and consistently across the organization. The fair process doctrine demonstrates that if compliance policies and procedures are not applied consistently, there's a greater chance that an employee dismissed for breaching a policy could successfully claim that he or she was unfairly terminated. Moreover, the lack of fair and consistent implementation and application will destroy the credibility of your corporate compliance function. This last point cannot be overemphasized. If an employee is going to be terminated for fudging expenses in their uh, accounts in Brazil, you had best make sure the same conduct lands your top producer in the U.S. with the same quality of discipline. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, the code of conduct together with compliance policies and procedures, form the very backbone of your compliance program. But they don't operate in a vacuum. They operate together. They're integrated. It's useless to have a code of conduct if you don't have implementing, uh, rather defining policies and implementing procedures. Equally important, if you don't have a code of conduct, you can't have a policy which implements the code because you don't have the code. So, they're an integrated package and should be seen as an integrated package. You must figure out what you want your code of conduct to say, of course, on a much higher level basis, and then have your policies specify down uh, to the articulated level. And then, of course, your procedures must uh, implement those going forward. Number two, the DOJ and SEC expect a well-thought-out and articulated set of compliance policies and procedures. Fortunately, they have told us what they expect in terms of their uh, policies and procedures from the 2012 guidance. So we've got nearly 10 years that they have articulated. They are, once again, uh, payments to foreign officials, use of third parties, gifts, travel, and entertainment expenses, charitable donations, political donations, facilitating and expediting payments. So the information is there. It's up to you to utilize it going forward. And finally, most people don't think about the fair process doctrine, but it is equally important uh, to be utilized in connection with, connection with, in conjunction with policies and procedures. The quality of your justice must be laid out for violations of your policies, uh, which are implemented through your procedures and must be uh, fairly employed on a global basis. I hope you will enjoy the entire month on written standards and that you will listen in again where we explore another topic in the month of May. If I could ask you to do so, would you pass on to at least one person this podcast series on the nuts and bolts of compliance as I'm trying to expand my audience base for 31 days to a more effective compliance program. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow where I take up another topic 
in innovation and compliance. Thanks again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.